I don't want to like Jesus juke this whole podcast here, but <laughs> the example you mentioned earlier, Isaac with Thomas, the guy who was a doubter, he came to Jesus with that and said, I'm not going to believe until I can put my hands in, mm-hmm. in the holes in his hands. And it's okay to bring that stuff to Jesus. I feel like that's for me, the most helpful thing I've learned. Okay. You've got doubts. Talk to God about your doubts. Right. Even if you're not sure that he's there, you're not sure what the foundation to all these things is. I don't know where else to go. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hey, welcome back. Yay! It's Real Talk. We did it. <laughs> Anson, Kara, and Isaac, we have returned for season five. It's oh, true. man. Kind of feel like we got lost there for a minute. Yeah. I don't know where we were exactly, uh, but. The three of us have not seen each other since season four, the last of, episode. Yeah. It kind of feels like that. Just not dropped not off once. the face of the earth. <laughs> yep. And now we're back. Reunited back. at last. Oh, guys. Right. Real so Talk good. is a show where we get real about everything from current events to culture to faith. We've got a really great topic of conversation for our first episode of season five. We're going to get really deep today, guys. Yeah. yeah, we're going in on doubt and deconstruction as it relates to faith. So first, let's take the first word doubt, doubt and cynicism. If anything, to me, actually kind of almost seem to be in right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we have some for questions sure. about doubt. Is doubting our faith? OK, is doubt almost now like a prerequisite for living an authentic Christian life. Right. What is good about doubt? What's not so good about doubt? We want to mm. tackle that today. And yeah. then the second word there, deconstruction. And that's a big one. That word is getting thrown around in all sorts of places today. Right. There have been some pretty high profile examples of this lately where people have used this word, including Josh Harris on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of questions about this word not the least of which is what is deconstruction? Yeah. Right? Just trying to define what deconstruction <laughs> means. We picked a nice light topic for our first exactly. episode. Yeah, that's something that's going to be a little bit challenging. So we're going to tackle that. And then once we can kind of establish what it is, what does it look like to deconstruct one's faith? Can right. you deconstruct your faith without losing it? What are the potential benefits of this process? What are the dangers? We want to cover all of that and more on the Real Talk podcast today. And by the way, we've got a Facebook group for the Real FM Insiders. Yes. And we actually posed this question to our insiders a couple of weeks ago in the Facebook group. And we got some really great responses from that. So we're going to be including some of your responses yes. in the podcast as well to kind of make sure that you guys have a voice and can speak into this topic as well. Before we get to all of that, we're going to go to some of our features for this season. And we've got some really fun ones that we're going to do, including one feature that we're going to bring back from a previous season. And that is Real Life Boss Level. My Real Life Boss Level is actually this podcast. (laughs) Because I know this is weird. I know it's very weird to talk about it. I am just struggling lately with this internal dialogue of the self-critic that kind of follows me around. It's been showing up a lot lately at work. And since we haven't done the podcast for a while, I have this little internal critic right now. It's super loud in my head. He's Mm. like, what the heck? You don't have anything to say. What are you doing? Who do you think you are? Your life is a mess. Why would you show up and think that you have something to contribute here? And showing up also in other areas of work, but especially right here, right now. So Mm. I just thought, you know what? Just going to expose that little guy. Just, Just get it out in the open and say... 
that's kind of where I'm at right now and trying to still show up anyway, because the default with me when that happens is to get paralyzed and shut down. Mm, yeah. And so trying to just show up and go, OK, I'm here. It's not perfect. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I'm working on some things. I'm trying to study and learn and trying to bring something to the conversation, but it's definitely not going to be perfect, but I'm trying to show up anyway. Isn't it funny what we ascribe authority to? We can take certain things like being on a podcast, right? Which by the way, anyone can do. Yeah. Somehow if you're on a podcast, you have some (laughs) measure of like authority or knowledge or something. Right. There's some sort of assumption that you have a platform. Therefore, you know, you're some sort of authority figure. But like, that's not actually true. We do have microphones though. And traditionally, (laughs) everyone who has spoken into a microphone has been right. (laughs) So as long as you just say whatever you say with a feigned amount of certainty. Exactly. Okay. That's the key. All right noted this problem has become evident in things like there's a number of high profile pastors for example yeah. that have kind of had these like falls from grace recently right they're human beings like all the rest of I us know. Yeah. and yet there's this title or this position of standing up in front of a large group of people behind a pulpit there's this assumption that like when they say words they're the right <laughs> words or they yeah. know what they're saying just kind of a little peek behind the curtain. People who sit behind microphones all day, mm-hmm. like we have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Accurate. I've somehow fooled everyone into this position right, and now I just got to right. keep the con going. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, like I always feel that right as I'm taking on a big project yes. usually. And I see that happening a lot, like some background stuff that I know you're working on. Yeah. I can definitely see how that might <laughs> spur that up. That's true. I can say from an outside looking in, that is just a silly insecurity that we all have that yeah. I can just straight up rebuke in the name of Jesus. And awesome. you because like, Thank you're you. Seriously. Like that's I'll take it. If anyone deserves a spot at the table, it's the people who have worked so hard to get there. Maybe it's imperfect. Just like 99% of everything, of everything else, else in life is you're doing the work and you're here. Mm. We all I deal feel with like, that. like we all have something to learn from everyone. Yeah. Having some measure of authority to speak on something or whatever isn't really a prerequisite for me to like mm, learn from someone. Right. You know? That's true. If we're nothing more than three young, inexperienced, <laughs> foolish people <laughs> sitting around discussing topics that matter. Yeah. I feel like that's enough. Yeah. Right? 100%. yeah. yeah. Because like we can, yeah. we can learn from that. We can learn from fools. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> and maybe that's what we are. You I, don't have to but, look at me while you say that. <laughs> I learn stuff from Isaac all the time. And he's nuts. Like, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? Though? Like, yeah. That's... I, I think there's this like fallacy that says like yeah. we have to have some amount of like knowledge or perfection. expertise or perfection yeah. before yeah. we can be useful to someone else in yeah. terms of sharing our life experiences. Yeah. Not that there is no authority or no wisdom and tapping into those people that have that is really good. But to some extent, we all are unsure of everything. And, and right. exactly. it's kind of ironic that this is what you're talking about. I know. Because this relates really well to what we're going to be sure. talking about I on know. the show today. That's what I thought. I was like, well, we're just going to go ahead and talk about doubt, like my <laughs> internal doubt as we talk yeah. about yeah. all the other doubt. I'll just come to you guys next time I need some therapy. <laughs> I think the best therapy for that is to hear other people admit, yeah, yes. us too. Oh my gosh. Isn't so it? true. Like, none of us have any idea what we're doing yeah. about. at all. <laughs> yeah. We're in very, very good company. Yeah. Yes. Time for a new segment on yes. the podcast. I'm so excited. You like this one, Isaac? <laughs> I am looking at the doc and I'm so excited. Right all now. right. All right. Let's explain what this segment is all about. 
This one's called Search History. Yes. And the <laughs> scary thing is about Search History is that we all have a lot of it. Yeah. And you can actually go to Google and you can look at your Google Search History. In fact, Google has this thing that's called like an activity feed that shows everything that you do that Google is aware of. Mm-hmm. And guys, I was looking at it yesterday and I just want to give you a public service announcement. Google is aware of everything. Yes. Okay. I mean, I was looking through this activity feed. It's got all of my search history. It's got every site I've ever visited that has Google Analytics attached to it, which oh, is wow. basically all of them. Yeah. It's got every app that I ever use on my phone. It says you open this app at this time. You oh. open this app at this time. You open this app at this time. Oh, wow. It has my Google Homes that I use at home. You asked Google <laughs> what the weather was and here's what it re- replied to you. <sighs> search history. Here's what we're doing. We're trying to find something that we searched for <laughs> that without context doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And letting the other two hosts on the show try to determine what was on that person's mind when they searched for this. Okay. So basically, I'm going to give you guys one of the things in my search history. Yes. And you have to try to figure out what was Anson (laughs) up to. I'm so excited. When he typed these words. Awesome. Okay. Ready. So here's what it was. Large ear hooks tips. I, oh my god! I googled large ear hooks <laughs> tips, and oh now my. you guys have to try to figure get, out what I was doing. Do I doing. get a time of day that you Google this? Can I get that information, oh. or is this not? Uh, is this not readily secret. available? It was probably in the evening, okay, sometime okay. like okay. maybe. I don't know why I needed that yeah, to solve this puzzle, just, but like nine o'clock at night. So here's what we'll do: we'll let you guys get started on this. Yeah, see okay. if you can figure yeah, yeah, it out. Yeah. And if you need some, I can kind of add some yeah, hints some as we go. Some Good clues deal. if you have some questions. So I guess that was your your first clue. It's yeah. probably about nine o'clock at night. Okay, say the phrase again. Large ear hooks tips. Okay, literally the first thing that comes to my mind is Anson's thinking about getting his ears gauged. Uh-huh. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I didn't see that coming. Working but cool. on stretching them lobes out. <laughs> there you go. Large hooks in these. I was imagining like gauge, I don't know Anson like in a fly fishing stream yeah. with like a hook stuck to his ear and then immediately going like. How, Google how remove large ear hooks tips like the hook tip oh. in ear it's large right right tips on removing it so I'm either getting gauges or I'm fly fishing or you're or fly both. fishing or, or both or, wow. one would be more conducive like you could get it through there right oh, that'd man. be fine but if they were gauged yeah then you don't have to worry about that as yeah. much yeah right? yeah yeah Take it right out of there. Right. Sounds like I'm not a very good fisherman, is what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) Which would be accurate, by the way. You're getting tips on it. You're asking for help. Oh, that's amazing. That's what Google's for. Yeah. Okay. Large ear, like you're navigating around a large ear in a hook pattern (laughs) and you're needing help doing that. You and Dree did like a road trip to the largest ear. Wow. Music. I don't know. That's amazing. Okay. This is a little less fun, a little more of a serious guess. Okay. You're a runner. So do you have the kind of earbuds that hook on the back of your ears? Oh. Uh You want them to stay on? Is that what's happening? That's a good theory. I like that one. (laughs) No. I'm not saying yes or no. I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just saying it's a theory. I also didn't confirm or deny the fly fishing theory. (laughs) Okay. Cool. Just to be clear. (laughs) Anson did wear his rubber bibs today to work. So like that. Yeah. All right. Gosh. No, Kara, you're on to it. Am I? You are. Okay. Yes. Okay, so there's these earbuds that I have, right? And uh-huh. they have these rubber things attached to them mm-hmm. okay. that help hold them in your ears. Yeah. Nice. I have no idea what they're called. Oh. Like what, what do you call <laughs> the little rubber things yeah. that like 
Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? They yeah, look like the like little, little silicone, like wings, yeah. kind of yeah. things that hold it in your ear. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So a few days ago, I take my earbuds out, I put one in, I put the other in, and I realized that the rubber thing is missing. <gasps> it's gone. It fell off. That's the worst. And so I like went back inside, and I'm like trying to find it. Couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, no. It came with several, but they come in like different sizes. Yes, like they're small medium and large there's not duplicates of each size there's only two of each size i've experienced this before (laughs) and i used the large ones right and so one of the large ones was missing and so now i'm using a medium one instead in that ear and it won't like stay in my ear right ridiculous and it's really frustrating (laughs) so i was trying to find out are there replacements that i could buy Uh, yeah but i didn't know what they were called are they called ear hooks are they called tips are they called wings yeah So wings, I, ear wings. I literally used two of the words yeah. to describe this. So large, the size, oh. ear hooks or tips. Yeah. Okay. Just hoping Basically, that with this scattershot one of them, one search, of them stick. Right? One of them okay. Land. Yeah. Nice. So, Did you find what you were looking for though? No. Nope. Oh, oh no. Really. So here's the deal. Okay. I bought these earbuds. They were like $22 or something yeah. like that from yeah. Bluetooth earbuds. They were cheap. I like them though. They're good. Yeah. I found one thing on Amazon. You could get three pairs of smalls, three pairs of mediums oh. or a small, medium and large variety pack. Wait, what? 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 Three, larges. three larges? Come like, on. You've got to be kidding me. I feel me. discriminated against $8, yeah. $8, $8 with big ears. What? For Gosh. a small, medium, and large. There's just like little, just they the- got to cost like 10 cents to make them. Right. Yeah. The ones that I actually have, they don't sell them on their own. So these oh are like gosh. third party ones. It's ridiculous. I, I could go buy this. another set of earbuds for $20. <laughs> or that. This is wrong. <laughs> so is, what yeah. I decided I need to do is I need to find someone, maybe you care, that yeah. has these but doesn't use the large ones. Oh, okay. If you're out there and you use these and you use either smalls or mediums. <laughs> okay. Real FM tiny ear listeners. Anson at realfm.online. There you go. Email me. I will trade you my smalls or my mediums <laughs> oh for, my your larges, for your larges. Large ear hooks tips. Crowdsourcing your earbuds. I need large ear hooks tips. tips. That's amazing. Otherwise, I'm going to have to take up fly fishing. (laughs) This is another new feature of the podcast. This is the tier list. I don't know if you guys are familiar with video game ranking systems. This is also big on Twitter for some reason. Like yes. Basically, it's ranking things in order of excellence down to trash tier, bottom level, horrible <laughs> garbage monster. Oh. And you can create a tier list on literally anything. Yeah, there's actually, Anson, you linked me to it, tiermaker.com. A lot of the time there will be these pre-made lists. And for my topic, there was, but I threw it out the window because that was a bad tier list. <laughs> okay. Okay. You pick a category and then you put each thing in that category. You right. rank it in category one, right. two, okay or down to five. You can have like multiple products in each category. Right. I'm going to start from the bottom because I actually brought, (gasps) I'm going to pull some ASMR for you guys here. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. (laughs) In this bag Uh are the top tier. Oh, Sparkling waters. Oh, that I have sparkling water. I went on a just drive around town to find these things because <laughs> oh they're goodness. not everywhere. Okay. Wow. But my tier list for this week is sparkling water. So here we go. get to like yes. try some samples or something. We, I, I brought bottles. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> they are here. That's awesome. So I will start from number five. I've given custom names to these tiers. So this okay. is corporate pandering trash water. Oh. <laughs> going in. I'm going after bubbly sparkling water by PepsiCo. 
Oh, Brie actually defended these when I was making the list last night, uh-huh. saying that they have good flavors. Oh, but Brie is also susceptible to corporate pandering. <laughs> so and you're not. I'm not. Oh, snap. You um, built up an immunity. to corporate pandering. <laughs> My cynicism is just a shield. Uh, um, so is it literally water. just because it's owned by Pepsi? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, no, they're actually it's not, not about the taste. Let's no, be honest. They're in a can and I don't trust the flavoring that they oh. do. It's one of those ah. things where it's like, there's nothing in this, but it tastes like mellow yellow. And I'm like, Ew. there is very much is something can versus bottle. This. Like really important. Oh like, yeah. You simply yeah. must get a bottle. You simply must. So at the very bottom, corporate trash water is bubbly sparkling water by PepsiCo. <laughs> okay. For unnecessarily popular. I actually have the pronunciation. This for is this like water. the mainstream sparkling water. That's yeah. not good enough for hipster. Isaac. Oh, yeah. is that basically what this category right. is? Right. Okay. 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 <laughs> I can't say it right. <laughs> but I'm going to do this janky thing. So here we go. San Pellegrino. <laughs> Pellegrino. San Pellegrino. That's amazing. San Pellegrino sparkling water is bad. Uh, and I don't know why it's at every restaurant possible. If you ask for sparkling water at most places, they're going to bring out San Pellegrino. <laughs> They what say makes that it, every what time? makes it bad? I am a yeah. total noob when yeah, it comes fine. to sparkling water. Because yes. generally I don't actually like it that much. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. I... Here's the thing. Okay. I make fun of you for your sparkling water. <laughs> yes. Fanaticism sure. all the time. Yes. I actually want to like it. I know, beca- right? Because I would love to have a drink that's not just plain water. Right. That I could enjoy. That's not like soda and filled with sure. tons of calories and sugar. Not and sure. terrible for right. you. But yeah. I, I haven't found one that I really like yet. Right. Same. Because they all taste like TV static to me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So the, and I cannot discern yeah. between you're asking for like a quality scale. Right. Like, like how, how do you, how do you okay. determine like what is uh, what's wrong with San Pellegrino? San for Pele- example? Oh, first of all, San Pellegrino. San Pellegrino. <laughs> Sorry. Got it so wrong. it's kind of like a chalky, almost like Alka-Seltzer taste to Ew. it. And it's not as bubbly as I would want it to be. OK. I like a very bubbly sparkling. So it needs water. more carbonation. It has to have what's known as like a sharp bubble to it. Uh-huh. Like it's oh. got to hurt. A little so you bit. don't like the more flat ones. No, 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 no. Okay. If it's going to be bubbly. Let's make it bubbly, y'all. All right. Wow. Okay. So San Pellegrino is a little bit more tame, a little bit more muted, and not very good. It's not okay. a bubble forward sparkling Noted. water. <laughs> not bubble forward. <laughs> Coming in at number three is Old Reliable. And I'm going to say Lime or Pimple Mousse LaCroix. And I have in parentheses here, haters can just go away. <laughs> it's a good, reliable, if you're on the road, most gas stations will have it. Okay. Lime or Pimple Mousse LaCroix so this is like your water. baseline. This is basically. the baseline. Like it's average, but average not in like a derogatory right. way. Has to be cold though. You got to have it cold. Oh. You, you have to have it cold. Yeah, warm sparkling water Ew. doesn't seem like it's not good. It's gross. No one should have that. <laughs> Coming in at number two, I call this category. I'm quitting soda and need something good. So Anson, oh. this uh-huh. might actually All be right, your. So this speaker. is where I would start. It sounds good. Polar seltzer, specifically the orange vanilla flavor. What? Ooh, I do like. I know vanilla. what you're thinking. Yeah, that sounds good. Orange vanilla sparkling water. Polar seltzer, man. They're so good. Okay. I used to live across from a Savers that had it. I bought it every day. I would try this. I would try that too. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked the, um, see, I'm going back to soda. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Orange vanilla. Right. Yep. Orange vanilla, polar seltzer. It doesn't have like a syrupy taste to it. It's just good. If you can find it. Sounds good. Noted. Coming in at number one. And I call this category. Why didn't God make this the default water? And I have such a good name that I purchased oh. from a Mexican tienda grocery store. Oh, wow. Oh, my this is Topo Chico sparkling oh, water. I've wow. Heard, yes, I've heard of I have Topo not. Chico. This is bottled in Monterey, Mexico. Wow. It is imported sparkling water. I'm going to get a little bit of a uh, hold on. I'm going to get a oh, little, this is little gonna bit be of good. 
Oh, that was such a good sound. That was good. This good is Kara's. Topo Chico. Thanks, a, Isaac. Yeah. Is this That's a requirement so this from all the, for all the tier okay, level I may things? hate this, but it was worth it just to just hear the, to bottle. Hear that. the yeah. bottle. The bottle opened. The last one. <laughs> so good. Okay. Now, That's I want awesome. all of us to uh, take I mean, a, I do feel really cool. I, I know. Bottle, yes. Yeah. So let's all get a drink of it really quick. Okay. Okay. Right, I'm going to try it. You'll notice a very sharp bubble. It's very sharp. That sucker hurts. So this is the standard of excellence for sparkling water. So this is not flavored, not flavored at all. There is no flavoring. It's hypercarbonated. It's very bubbly. You will burp through this entire podcast oh, if you fun. drink this during it. That's so cool. I would advise against maybe that. <laughs> so it's the sharpness that really that does it brings for this a together. A very for you. punchy bubble. Okay. Very punchy bubble. If all you right. chug it, okay. it almost burns like a Coke, Ew. which I love. You love. <laughs> I love that. What's your review, Kara? Um. I don't like that it has no flavor. I'm kind of okay. like, why yeah. am I not just drinking normal water? Because right. to me, okay. the carbonation all by itself doesn't do it for me. I need some flavor. I gotcha. But that's just gotcha. me. Yeah, I think if you're going to onboard people yeah. that are new to the sparkling water thing, yeah. drinking this now, it's not as offensive to my taste buds sure. as no. I thought it might be. Sure. No. I think I could like it, but I feel like I would probably have to start with like a flavored something. I, have to I definitely and like recommend work, work my yeah. way up to this. Yeah. This is where you finish at. The polar seltzer <laughs> is where you can start. Okay, so that so you, you start with your B tier and yes. you kind of work your way up this to is this the goal. Here. This is okay. God tier. This is <laughs> But I am going to carry this bottle around with me for I the mean, rest of the day. You can refill it. I might just put normal water in it because it just I feel cooler carrying it around. It does. It does significantly up the cool factor. We've got our Topo Chicos. Yes. We are <laughs> sipping on them. Ready to go enjoying in. Enjoying some refreshment and ready to go in <laughs> on our conversation this week on doubt and deconstruction. Yes. So as we talked about at the beginning of the show, these are words that are starting to be thrown around a lot more, especially this word deconstruction. Now, this isn't a new phenomenon per se, right. Right. but it is something I think that's seeing a little bit of resurgence in the Christian community in terms of the use of the word and kind of the application of the philosophy or thought process. This kind of was triggered for us after several high profile cases of people talking about leaving their faith behind. Yeah. Mm. And we saw this with Josh Harris, which we actually talked about him on a yeah. previous episode of the podcast where yeah. we talked about sexuality. He recently posted on Instagram. I think his words were something to the effect of by all measures that I have of what a Christian is, I am no longer a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And he also said something about many people in Christianese would call what I'm doing falling away, but other people would call it deconstruction. And so right. he kind of tossed that word out. Although mm. some people took issue with the way he used the word and how he seemed to define it in that post. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about yeah. that a little bit more. There's also a guy who's a former writer for yeah. Hillsong yes. Worship who announced that he was kind of falling away from his faith. But then he kind of came back and clarified and said, well, no, I'm just having kind of a, a moment of doubt, a moment of crisis, and I'm just not sure what I believe anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm not necessarily renouncing my faith. Yeah. Right. And so those are just a couple of high profile examples the kind of hint at something I think that is part of a larger movement that seems to be happening right now. People are starting to become really disenchanted with all of the stuff that seems to be attached to my faith. So you have a lot of young people who are saying, you know what, I'm tired of all of these things, whether it's politics 
or the way we treat people or the way we run a church service or legalism or whatever it is. There's all this stuff attached to my faith that I don't like and that seems to run against the grain of what I believe. Mm -hmm. So now I've got to evaluate everything. I've got to take a look at all of this stuff that combines into my belief system Mm -hmm. and maybe start cutting some of that away to right. see what remains at the core. So let's start with the word doubt, because I feel like it's the simpler word of the two. Not that it's easy per se to get to the core of, <laughs> but I think it's a little bit easier to understand than deconstruction. Doubt. The first thing that we could say is that doubt is something that we all struggle with to yeah. some extent or another, right? I think so. I think it's pretty normal because we're human. And if faith is about believing in things that you can't see, it's normal to doubt that from time mm-hmm. to time because yeah. we're used to believing in things that we can't see. Right. And so feels like a pretty, a pretty human thing to yeah. me, at yeah. least a pretty normal thing. But I do think, I think the reaction we're getting now is a pendulum swing from times that the church has said, it's not okay to doubt. Right. It's not okay ever to question these things. Yeah. You should always have faith. If you don't, you don't love Jesus. Your faith isn't real. And yeah. this like, is either explicit or implicitly. Yes. Like both. this is, yeah. yeah. Have you guys ever been in that place? Oh, yes. Yeah. 100%. I was part of a church. My first job, I moved away from home and everybody. And I was part of a church that was pretty legalistic and pretty intense. And doubt was really the, it was my life for like the mm. time that I lived there. It just felt like it was this overwhelming, constant struggle And it was an overwhelming, constant struggle I was not supposed to be having um, based on what was being communicated in the church. And so I just always felt anxious and miserable. What's wrong with me? Why can't I snap out of this? Why can't I figure this out? And so I very much experienced that. And it sent me kind of in a direction of asking a lot of questions. I think that through college, I went to a Christian school. And I was uncomfortable in how much more sure of their faith everyone else seemed. Mm. And I was in this stage where I was very uncomfortable with my own doubt because I was contrasting what I perceived as other people's solid faith. (laughs) They were projecting as like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, like Jesus. Yeah, we're all on the same page, right? Like we're all in the same exact plane. (laughs) And I just felt very insecure and worried for a long time about Mm. this persistent questioning and doubt that I've had. Since then, I've learned to incorporate that as a part of my faith and not necessarily be afraid of it because there's a biblical precedent for doubt. I mean, there is Thomas and then there is the Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That is my Mm. consistent prayer. I don't understand this, but I'm becoming more and more okay with my lack of understanding Mm. because I'm rooted in the truth that I love and follow Jesus and recognize who he is. Can I ask a really hard question? Yeah. Yeah. That we may not be able to answer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Do you think doubt is a sin? Oh, snap. I don't think it is. No. Why not? I think that God created us to think critically about things. And I think that repeatedly there are examples of people who are believers of Jesus doubting. We've seen Thomas, the guy's nicknamed Thomas the Doubter. I mean, we we have these people who are struggling, even having seen and been around Jesus. We are told about them doubting. We like to make rules for ourselves and we love to fit things in small boxes and say, this person is a Christian because they believe fully and they don't doubt. And Mm -hmm. I think there's something wrong with that because we all will naturally doubt things. Can I play the devil's advocate for sure. just a moment? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yes. We have examples in scripture of people who doubted like mm-hmm. Thomas, 
but we're not necessarily told that Thomas's doubt was a sure. good thing. Yeah. Right. So just because there's an example of someone who was a doubter right. among the disciples doesn't necessarily mean that his doubt was good right. or not right. bad. I would say that the example of Thomas being present in scripture is not necessarily a sure. proof that doubt is not a sin. Right. Mm-hmm. If it was a sin, it's proof that he was a sinner, which yeah. <laughs> is not exactly that- a big revelation, right? I mean, all yeah. of the disciples were. Yeah. <laughs> it's proof that Jesus dealt gently with a doubter mm-hmm. yeah. one way or another. How would you answer that question? I would say, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> because yeah. it's very confusing to me. And I can think of a dozen scriptures that would seem to point towards maybe yes. Right. Like, towards not believing being a bad thing. But then I can think of others where, like we talked about, Jesus dealing very, very gently with doubters and scriptures where it says Jesus won't, what does it say? He won't break a broken reed, something like that. Just basically saying that he's very gentle with us. And I was reading something earlier today talking about healthy doubt versus unhealthy doubt. And I think that that's an important distinction. When we talk about healthy doubt, that is a refusal to settle for lousy answers to good questions. Maybe there's something you're doubting that you should be doubting Mm. because it doesn't line up with truth. I don't know. I think that maybe there's versions of healthy doubt and unhealthy doubt. I think one thing that is important to point out, I don't think doubt and unbelief are synonymous. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you brought up the guy in the gospel of Mark who says, I believe help my unbelief. Right. He's clearly expressing doubt. Yeah. In that sentence, but he's also not necessarily saying he doesn't believe yes. right. or at least want to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't think doubt is necessarily the same as unbelief. Mm-hmm. You could be a full unbeliever or you could be a believer with doubts. Yes. Right. And definitely. so I think those are different. Just to clear it up. My answer to that question is doubt of sin is also I don't know. The thing is, we do a lot of things <laughs> that uh, that are <laughs> sinful. And in fact, I think it's so hard to separate ourselves from our sinful nature. But I want to be clear that like, I'm not saying that the right response, therefore, to someone sinning through doubt would be to hold up a picket sign yeah. or like bash them over the head with a Bible right. and say like, you can't do that. Like, Stop you can't express doubting. that. Stop doubting. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, because that's not how we should address lots of different kinds of sin. Right. right? I think you're kind of onto something there, Kara, about, okay, if it is a sin or isn't dealing with it gently and allowing space for people to express that and Mm. and be honest about what they're feeling, I think is really important because even if it is a sin, we're all sinners. Right. So we're all going to deal with it. And I don't know that there's necessarily a way to process and work through doubt without first acknowledging it. So let's make doubt a sin for the sake of discussion. Like how in the world would you even move through that if you're saying, well, it's a sin, I have to just not address it. Like yeah. that doesn't, right. that doesn't work with me. any sin, right. like much yeah. less doubt. <laughs> what do you guys think about the idea of doubt as a temptation? Mm. Like I, I kind of wonder, is doubt more of a temptation that we sometimes succumb to? I don't know. That That's something that was kind of rattling around in my brain. When you say that, it makes me think of literally Eden, Satan saying, did God really say? Right. You know, it was like planting that seed of doubt. Right. And then Adam and Eve had to make a choice. Right. And act on, on that. what to believe. Right. Right. I've been told God doesn't really care about me or God doesn't really want the best for me. And if I eat yeah. this fruit, that's what's best, even though he specifically told me not to. Now I've got to act on it. I got to choose. Do I want to believe God or do I want to believe in something else? Mm -hmm. And Adam and Eve made a choice that was clearly sinful. Maybe that seed of doubt as they started to have to think about that and process that wasn't sinful itself. Right. It was the action or belief they took based on the doubt that was planted in them. I'm constantly having to like parse out doubt 
and critical thinking in my own head because mm. like I get those two jumbled up a lot of the times. Mm. Doubting versus asking questions. Right. Or yeah, like yeah. I have, yeah. I've kind of been given a muddled view of asking questions being mm. framed as doubt historically. Like mm. that's been always like what I bump up against. So that's yeah. I think there are churches that have probably pushed this idea of like no questions asked. No questions right. asked. And so check your brain at the door. And when critical thinking is framed as doubt, that's my red flag for any sort of like faith yeah, system. Like I'm like, oh, maybe let's back that yeah, up. I, yeah, I think there's a difference between yeah, the two. I do too. Yeah. And I think that that's where I have to make that separation. When we say like, is doubt a sin? I think we need to be very careful. I don't think that Jesus is who he says he is versus, mm. well, let's see if Jesus is saying this, let's examine that further. Right. Right. And I just think uh, to go back to close the loop on this part of the question is doubt a sin. I've read a lot of theologians this week that yeah. disagree <laughs> on the answer to that yeah. question, but I just want to emphasize the fact that like, because something is a sin doesn't mean that our response to that is to yeah. prevent them from being honest about right. it. If anything, that means we have to deal with it head on and talk about it and, yeah. Yeah. and try to figure it out. So uh, whether it is or isn't, I think we're on the right track in terms of saying mm-hmm. this is something that we need to talk about and we need yeah. to be honest about and open about and try to figure out together yeah. right? because it's something that we all deal with. Yeah. Right? Okay. Well, let's go from the word doubt to the word deconstruction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, when was the first time that you guys kind of encountered this word? Is it something oh. relatively recent for you? Is it something that you've been aware of for a period of time? So this is dumb, but I think it's really related to how I view and think about things. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite bands that I've listened to, and I think I might have mentioned them on the podcast. We talked about our music, but the band Gideon, an article on Metal Injection was written about how they left their faith and then produced the best metal record that they ever have. And I thought that that was just kind of a weird way to frame it. Hmm. But I read the (laughs) statement that the band put out basically saying that they're in a stage of questioning all of the things that they have been taught. Mm. And this is a band Mm. from Texas. They're very conservative evangelical Christians or were rather. And I was kind of going, well, that's interesting. Like I kind of wanted to see where they were going with that. They're saying that they're walking away from their faith, but it looks to me more like they're taking a season to critically examine everything. And it's just easy for us to throw that label of like, well, they're not Christians anymore, like (laughs) to throw that (laughs) on it. And that's That's really sort of where I started looking at, well, this looks like deconstruction to me, not necessarily Mm. we're done. There's no God. Boom. (laughs) Yeah. End of discussion. That does feel like an important distinction. And like you were saying earlier, some people do use the term deconstruction differently as I've deconstructed it down to nothing. Like I've gotten to the bottom and there's nothing there. As opposed to I'm taking apart each piece and looking at it and evaluating how does this fit into the whole? What's the true essence at the bottom of all of the fluff? So I did a little research this week to try to kind of figure out like, what is deconstruction? Where did this come from? What's the background to it? Because honestly, I didn't really know. Yeah. Like my familiarity with this term really is relatively recent. I've seen it start to pop up in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. and I've had some vague understanding of what people mean when they talk about it, but I feel like it hasn't always been super concrete Mm -hmm. because I feel like not everyone uses the word the same way. And so I kind of wanted to figure out like, where did this come from? What is this about? So I dove into a French (laughs) philosopher whose name is Jacques Derrida. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right because I'm not French, but (laughs) I'm just going to go with Jacques Derrida. Yeah. Okay. He was um, a French philosopher from the second half of the 20th century, and he did a lot of work around the idea of deconstruction, not necessarily connected to Christian faith, but just Mm -hmm. in general. Have you ever had the debate with someone about does a word mean something because it like inherently means something <laughs> oh. or does it mean something because 
we ascribe meaning to it. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had that discussion with someone? It's kind of a yeah. like classic abstract critical thought yeah. experiment yeah. that people have. Basically where Jacques Derrida ended up is that words and sentences have no inherent meaning. Mm. They don't actually mean anything other than the reality that humans have constructed right. to ascribe meaning to language. Interesting. Right. So in other words, as I'm speaking, you're constructing your own meaning of my words right. that's shaped by your culture and your mm. life experiences and all of this. Right? It's all subjective. Yeah. Everything's subjective. So if you're looking at anything in life, you're looking at it through a myriad of lenses, right? Right. That come from all sorts of places that mm -hmm. come from your parents, from your church, from your upbringing, from your education. Sure. And all of these different lenses result in the final picture that you see in front of you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the idea of deconstruction is the attempt to strip away all of these different lenses you're looking through mm -hmm. to try to get down to what you were just saying, Kara, about yeah. like the bare essence of something. Right. Now, it's important to know that for Derrida, where he basically ended up was there is nothing in the middle. Like he deconstructed it down yeah. all the way to there is nothing at the center. Everything is lenses. Mm. Everything is subjective. And at best, if you try to strip away all these lenses to look at something objectively, the best that you can do is take those lenses away and replace them with other ones. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really actually strip them away because it literally is impossible for us to look at the world without bias yeah without being influenced by our perspective right and our experience there's no way to truly objectively examine something right yeah. so, so that's basically where he lands now yeah. deconstruction as it relates to faith it's kind of this idea of taking this concept of stripping away doctrines and dogmas and moral rules and and legalism and all these things that we once believed to be truth and not mm. up for discussion. Right. What if, in fact, many of those things are just constructs by human beings and not actually God's truth? It's an effort to strip away all of the man-made stuff right. to figure out what's actually true at the center. And can't you see how that would ruffle all of the feathers? Oh, it's going to ruffle some feathers. <laughs> some Jimmy's will oh, be rustled. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, like I walked through this. My first impression of Christianity and Jesus from a very early age, six, seven, eight, nine, was hell aversion. I didn't want to go to hell. And I was going, well, OK, sure, I'll follow Jesus like that doesn't put me in hell, right? Yeah. OK, cool. I'm on board. And then if I realized that staying in a faith just through pain aversion is not a healthy way to do that, yeah. like that's mm -hmm. not how you build a healthy relationship. So I had to employ an element of deconstruction to that and say, like, OK, if hell wasn't a picture in this, mm -hmm. do I still want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior? And the answer that I arrived at was yes. I think one of the reasons why this can be so dark and scary is because we just really like certainty. <laughs> yeah. You know, at least I do. That's true. Like, I mean, I like the here's the steps to heaven method, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Pray this prayer and you go to heaven, right? Like, yeah. or do this and your marriage will be cured or eat yes. this food and you'll lose weight or <laughs> like, you know, like I think to some extent we like black and white. Yeah. I want certainty. I want predictability rules to follow. Right. Mm. But then there are these moments in life where you try to follow all of the rules in the textbook or you try to follow the three-step process and it doesn't work. Yep. Mm. And I think that's a part of growing up where you, you try to apply this like black and white thing and it doesn't work out the way that you were told that it would. Mm. And then it shatters you Yeah, because yeah. you're like, wait a second. Like I thought I was doing the right thing and it would turn out this way. And, and I didn't get rewarded the way I thought I exactly. would. Yeah. And so then you're forced to reckon with that. Yes. And so I think a lot of us as a part of our kind of growing up process, mm. we have these moments where we encounter that truth. Yeah. Like yeah. things don't always work out exactly the way we want them to. Mm. And then that's kind of what forces us to take a second look at our beliefs 
system yeah. and start to evaluate it a little more critically and say, what is my foundation here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if my foundation was just follow these rules and everything will work out great, yeah. right? you're going to eventually come to a point where that doesn't work out. It's kind of like what you were saying earlier about deconstructing down to nothing. I think sometimes we can find ourselves in that place when we've built our lives on assumptions we discover may be incorrect. Mm. But for me, at the end of the day, getting down through the deconstruction, sifting out all of these other things, I don't know how to get away from Jesus. And I don't want to like Jesus juke this whole podcast here. But (laughs) the example you mentioned earlier, Isaac with Thomas, the guy who was, you know, a doubter, he came to Jesus with that and said, I'm not going to believe until I can put my hands in, in Mm -hmm. in the holes in his hands. And I feel like it's okay to bring that stuff to Jesus. I feel like that's for me, the most helpful thing I've learned is like, okay, you've got doubts. Talk to God about your doubts. Right. Even if you're not sure that he's there, you're not sure what the foundation to all these things is. I don't know where else to go. That's the entire point of the cross. Right. Right. Like, I mean, again, let's say doubt is a sin. What are we supposed to do with it? Bring it to Jesus. Jesus. That's exactly what we're supposed to do with sin. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So it being a sin doesn't mean that like, Mm -hmm. oh, we can't talk about it or we can't bring it to God or like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do with our sins. We're supposed to lay them down at Jesus's feet because he died for them. That's exactly where our doubt is supposed to go. (laughs) He's bigger than it and he can take care of it. And that's the whole point of the gospel. And the silly thought that I think that we all deal with, whether we admit it or not, is that we're worried about God being unable to handle our doubt. And I think sometimes I do this like I want to be God's PR agent. And when I hear other people doubting, (laughs) I want to like correct it and be like, no, 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 no. This is why you're thinking this. But God Mm -hmm. is big enough to handle the doubts that we have, that our neighbors have, that our friends have. Mm. It's not going to dethrone heaven by me sitting here going. What if heaven's not real? That's not going to wreck everything up there and there's not going to be alarms triggered. Like God is still there. What is true is true and it will remain true regardless of what we believe. Right. And so we may have to go on a journey to figure out what that truth is. Right. But Jesus is big enough. He's steady enough to be that foundation even while we're kind of blowing in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like Jesus as foundation it's kind of the whole point of this deconstructive process, right? Yes, I like think so. If we put something else at the center, whether it's legalism, whether mm-hmm. it's a set of rules, whether it's attending church every week, whether it's fire insurance, what eventually we're going to learn that that doesn't hold up, right? Yes. Like that that isn't enough to sustain us. Yes. And so that I think is what kind of is the impetus for getting people on this journey of deconstruction yeah. and starting to cut away until you get down to the core. Mm-hmm. And if Jesus wasn't at the center, yeah. If you get down to the center and he's not there, yeah, that's probably where you're going to see this falling away happen, right? Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't a strong foundation there in the first place. That doesn't mean that Jesus can't eventually become that foundation and, yeah. and we kind of come back to faith. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think if if Jesus isn't at the core, yeah. this is probably kind of inevitable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whether we do it in like a big public way right. or yeah. it's, it's more just a private thing that happens in our own mind. Mm. Eventually, this deconstruction, this stripping away is going to happen if the foundation isn't strong. Can we give a shout out to Stephanie in the Real FM Insider group? Totally. For having that awesome comment. So mm. we posted this discussion in the group and she says at the end of the day, Jesus as Savior has to be the core of our faith. Mm. Our salvation is not based on purity not based on theology around baptism, women in church. Jesus is our savior and not theology. I love that. Here's one other quote that I really loved from Gina in our Facebook group. And I think she makes a really, really important point here. I think sometimes we get so enamored with this idea of deconstruction and our pursuit of God Mm -hmm. that we forget that it's not really about 
our pursuit of Jesus and truth. It's about Jesus pursuing us. Here's what Gina says. We need to have some grace for those who are in faith crisis. That's the time to come alongside them and point them back to Jesus with our actions and our love. But we should never forget that our good shepherd pursues his lost sheep. Praise his name (laughs) for that. Because one of the dangers of this whole deconstruction idea is that there's all this weight on us to figure out everything and to find out the path and and the truth and all this stuff. And it's exhausting. Right. (laughs) Because we're basically like a leaf fluttering in the wind, right? Like uh, scripture talks about people who doubt as being tossed by Mm. like the waves of the ocean, right? On a little boat being tossed about by the waves and and we're directionless. How do you get out of that situation? Somebody comes and rescues Rescues you. you. Deconstruction as it relates to stripping away things that were a false foundation Mm. is a really good process to go through. Mm -hmm. But if you start to think that it's all about you having to find a way and forge a path and figure out the truth, you're gravely mistaken. That's why it's good news. It sounds super <laughs> cheesy, but literally like this is why it's good news because right. we can't rescue ourselves from all of this. Yeah. We're dumb sheep. Yeah. And it's okay. That, that, <laughs> like, that's the message yeah. that's, that Jesus says repeatedly yeah. in the yeah. gospel, right? Right. It's like, yeah, okay, you are sheep. There is a little <laughs> bit of a hint of like, yeah, sometimes you're kind of dumb. Like, that's kind of what sheep yeah. are. But it's a loving thing. It you is know? expected that we're going to derail and mess right. up. That's yeah. just who yeah. you are. I yeah. died for you. I love you. And mm. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to come and find you. And I'm going to draw mm. you out of that. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. I read this quote from Richard Rohr and I thought it was really good. He says, faith is a combination of knowing and not knowing. Mm. And it comes back to that verse from Mark that we've already mentioned several times. Mm. Like, I believe, help my unbelief. Yes, That's essentially what Richard Rohr is saying in this quote, right? Mm. Faith is a combination of knowing and not knowing simultaneously. Mm. Is doubt and deconstruction a part of the process? Absolutely. But there's also something we can be sure of. Jesus is not only big enough to be believed in, he's big enough to help us believe when we're not big enough to do that on our own. Exactly. Which is why it's so important. Like when you're struggling with this, this is like my biggest lesson, I think, from my deconstruction process is when you're struggling with this, the very place you need to go is just keep talking to Jesus. Just keep telling him Mm -hmm. like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't believe Help my unbelief. That's the only place to go. The place to be rescued. Yeah. I can feel peace in my doubt and unbelief knowing that I can rely on Jesus. I have doubt. Absolutely. But Jesus is still saving me from it. And I believe that. Yes. It's time for On Repeat this week, where we take a look at one of the songs that's playing on Real FM that we're all digging right now. And it's our number one song on Real FM currently. It's The Search by NF. The point I'm making is the mind is a powerful place. And what you feed it can affect you in a powerful way. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, but it's not always safe. Just hang with me. This will only take a moment, okay? Just think about it for a second. If you look at your face every day when you get up and think you'll never be great, you'll never be great. Not because you're not, but the hate will always find a way to cut you up and murder your faith. Not only is this our number one song, on Real FM right now. It also happens to be a really perfect song for today's episode about doubt and deconstruction. It's literally titled The Search. Yeah. Yeah. And it basically describes exactly what we've been discussing, which is searching for the truth. Yeah. And the messy process that that often involves. Yeah. If you've ever listened to NF, you know that (laughs) NF is very, very honest about Mm -hmm. his doubt, about his struggle, about his sinfulness about his need for a savior. Yeah. Yeah. This song is no different. 
there's so much packed into the song. We're yeah. not going to be able to get to all of it because the whole entire song is basically one long verse. There's no chorus or anything yeah. like that. It's just a stream of thoughts. Yeah. Right. So is there anything in the song that stands out to you as something where you're like, I heard those words and those got me? I was actually listening to this on the way into work this morning. And I've been struck by every time I hear this song, it grabs my attention. And maybe it's because, like you said, it's basically one long verse Mm -hmm. that just kind of escalates as it goes. Like it starts out as like, okay, like a conversation with someone and basically turns into this. Here's what's going on inside my head all the time. (laughs) Right. I am overwhelmed. I'm crazy. And I relate to this so hard. (laughs) So And there's a couple of points in here where he actually says something about, oh, you don't relate to that. Okay. Well, I guess I'm just crazy. I'm looking at that exact line are you okay i can't find it right now i'm looking at the lyrics it's this segment so we've all got something that we've trapped inside that we try to suffocate hoping that it dies try to hold it underwater but it always survives Mm. then it comes out of nowhere like an evil surprise then it hovers over you telling you millions of lies Mm. and then it's Yes. You don't relate to that. Maybe you're not as crazy as I am. It's this thing that this shared experience, we all have this thing that we're trying to silence and squash inside of us that's always there. And one of the things that he talks about is the danger of getting lost in our own mind. Yes. And I, I think this is kind of an interesting thing that could tie into kind of the whole deconstruction process that we didn't really mention. He talks about the mind is a powerful place yes. and what you feed it can affect you in a powerful yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And then he says, just think about it for a second. If you look at your face every day when you get up and think you'll never be great, you'll never be great. Not because you're not, but the hate will always find a way to cut you up and murder your face. That yeah. line every single time, <laughs> right? every time. And so he's saying you can almost get in your own head and think about yourself as your own worst enemy. And if you get into that place, it's kind of this vicious cycle where your faith just almost starts to erode because you're Mm -hmm. so obsessed with looking at your own face and how imperfect you are. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's such a good point because (laughs) it goes back to where we concluded the conversation about, it's Mm -hmm. not about us. It's about Jesus. Yes. Like if we get so caught up in our own mind and our own imperfections and our own doubt and sin and Mm -hmm. all of this stuff, it's going to murder our faith Yeah, because it's almost like we're trying to place our faith in ourselves right? and we fail ourselves every time. Exactly. Yeah. We're trying to look at all this evidence and say, see, I'm failing. If we look in the mirror, like it says, and see that every single day. And that's what we're hoping for. Of course, it's going to be like, yeah, this is not okay. If we're only searching out the things that are negative in us, we're always going to find them. If you haven't listened to the rest of NF's new album, you definitely need to listen to it. It's It's, exhausting. It's just just filled with honesty, frankly. And and the search is basically the intro song to the rest of the album. It ends with... It's that time again. Better grab your balloons, which, by the way, he's using balloons as a metaphor for your screw ups, your burdens. Oh, wow. He says earlier in the song, you know, I'm trying to lay down my burdens. Well, not all of them because I'm not perfect. Mm. Right. So he's saying grab your stuff, invite your friends, seatbelts on. Yes, strap them in. Look at me, everybody. I'm smiling big on a road right now that I can't predict. Tell Mm. me, tone that down, but I can't resist. Y'all know that sound. Better raise your fist. The search begins. I'm back. So enjoy the trip. And I say, like, all right, we're Here going we go. on a trip. We're going to buckle in and we're going to figure some stuff out. Mm. I feel like that's what we're going to do on Real Talk this season. We're going to yeah. buckle in. We're going to try to figure some stuff out. <laughs> we're going to do it all together. Darn it. <laughs> Drinking some topos. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Catch afternoons with Anson and Kara from 3 to 7 p.m. live every weekday on Real FM radio.
The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.